it would be great to stockpile cash right now where you can go buy properties. But if you're not able to do that, then start learning the creative financing techniques that allow you to start buying some of these opportunities. I think they'll become much more prevalent in the very near future. It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by Ecospace.com. Now, here's your hosts, Adam and Jason. Welcome back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I am your host, Adam, AAA Adams, and today I'm flying solo because Jason is actually J. Lou, Jason J. Lou Lewis is in fact recording a separate episode at the exact same time. So we're killing two birds with one stone and the bird I'm killing is Jeff Rappaport. How are you, Jeff? I'm great. Thanks for having me on. Great to have you. So let me tell you just a bit about Jeff. He is a creative financing specialist. He actually is the, um, the host of the Creative Financing Podcast, very similar to the Creative Real Estate Podcast, Creative Financing Podcast. The only difference is Creative Financing, they dive deep into financing structures. They, on every episode, at least every episode that I've listened to, they're always taking one deal or one listener's question and they're coming up with all sorts of new creative ways that they could close the deal make money out of the deal, wholesale the deal, uh, exit the deal, and making money. So it's it's really cool. They also have a hotline, um, which is in the show notes already. So the, the hotline, it's an 877 number. It's in the show notes. We're also currently live on Facebook, and um, that's in the Facebook's show notes as well. So if, if you do want to give them a call, if you have a question about a creative deal, then reach out. So he is, he is the host of the Creative Financing uh, Podcast, the co-founder, by the way, of Slurria. Uh, Salt Lake Ria is one of the places that I've spoken at when I go to Utah, as well as Utah Ria, another one that I've spoken at, and uh, these guys are crushing it. So he's the vice president of Utah Ria. He's a top wholesaler in the nation. He's wholesaling in Utah, Tennessee, and Idaho currently and just crushing it there. And today we are going to talk about a few different creative financing strategies that you might want to implement right now. With that said, Jeff, tell them what I, what I missed and, and we'll get into your very first deal right after that. So you just jump in. Well, I think the first thing we missed is that uh, before we started, you said that you were just going on your mission when I started in real estate. So uh, I've been around since 2000 and uh, I learned right from the very start, how you could use terms or owner financing to deal with pretty houses, houses that maybe not everyone, not every investor is going to deal with. And I've just tried to hone my skills over the years. And um, uh, I have 20 years experience and still, uh, for me, it's always about learning more. I, I literally just took a three-day class on uh, notes um, because I'm I'm constantly wanting to learn more. How can I use these strategies to build my business? Uh, one of the other things that we just started doing in the last five months or so, we've done it all along, but now it's more of a focal point of our business is that we deal a lot more in commercial properties, mobile home parks, 
apartment buildings, storage units, mostly as wholesale deals. And uh, but never know when uh, we're going to pick one up ourselves and keep it. So, and we've learned how to work all over the country dealing with you know, technology that allows us to do so. Uh, well, let's start start with that technology before we get into your very first deal um, in 2000. What technology are, are you utilizing right now that helps you do that? You know, um, we, we have some ways to do some research. Plus, you know, a lot of the deals that we find are just online. You know, we, we contact commercial brokers. And uh, so there's really no marketing costs involved. And we develop relationships with brokers and the deal that we're calling on may turn out to be a deal, but really what we're looking for is what else do you got? Um, you know, what, what else do you work on? And so now these brokers will call us with perhaps off market deals that, that they've just gotten. And you know, that those are the ones that we're most interested in being able to look at different markets and know what's going on there, the crime rate, the population, the, saturation level if we're looking at you know rentals or storage units all of those things within minutes really allows i i can do more work on a commercial deal i can do it quicker than you know running comps on a single family in a market that i'm not familiar with so allows us to do that and um and i've been enjoying it it's it's fun to deal with some of these bigger type projects how come you're going with commercial brokers? Like what you mentioned is that you're calling commercial brokers. Yep. Are you doing multifamily? Are you doing uh, self-storage? Are, uh, are you doing single-family houses? What's your asset class that you focus on? So uh, basically four asset classes, um, maybe five. So apartments, um, mobile home parks, RV parks, storage units, and it looks like we're going to start looking into warehouse. In the last three months, it's been mostly storage units just because of COVID-19 and not being able to necessarily do inspections of apartments uh, makes it a little more difficult to get a quick sale done. But the storage units have been good. We just closed on a deal that had a $350,000 assignment fee on it. And... And it actually should have been more, should have been 450,000. So when you're dealing with those kinds of numbers and you can still do it within 30 days or less, that takes care of a lot of single family homes that, that you could do in the same time frame. Yeah. So that's, that's some good money, 300,000 in 30 days. I don't know very many doctors that even come close to that, Jeff. (laughs) So let's do this. Take me back to the very first deal you've ever, ever, ever done. I think you said that that was 2000, the same year I was graduating uh, high school and, and leaving on a two year uh, service mission. And, and uh, so you tell us what was going on back then what was going on through your head were you nervous were you scared what was the deal how did you make it come across the finish line so uh, let's take the second one i ever did because the first one kind of ended poorly i quit my job i had really had no savings i had worked as a youth director for nine years i actually loved my job but it started to become very political and uh Someone pushed me one day and I decided that's it, I'm done. I went to my parents and I said, hey, I have no money, no savings, but I really want to get into this real estate thing. 
can you lend me $2,000 so I can survive for a month? And, uh, you know, they weren't super supportive. They, they weren't completely on board, but they did it. And I was in a sink or swim situation. And the very first house that came to me was a 6,200 square foot home, a super good area, but it was dated, dated. Blue carpet and paneling and very big house that needed a bunch of updating. And I bought it subject to the mortgage. So I took over their existing debt. Back then, it had a monstrous payment of, uh, I believe it was $1,700 a month, which back then was a monstrous payment for me. And uh, I lease optioned it out um, to an inventor that has a whole nother story to it. Basically, he did some damage to the house. He eventually left. I leased, I did some work to it. Uh, I lease optioned it out a, a second time to an attorney. Don't ever do that. And that went bad. I had to evict him. It took me six months to get him out of the house. This is a 6,200 square foot home. He had half eaten chicken in every single room in my house. I had mice and all kinds of stuff all over. He, he, that was an attorney. That was an attorney. He trashed wow. my house. So I decided at that time, that was probably around 2005 that I was going to really remodel it now. And I ended up moving into it and I, I loved that house. It was great. But during the crash of 2008, I, I lost everything between 2008-2011, including my house. It got foreclosed on and ended up getting divorced. It was a really bad time period for me. So I didn't even get to realize, I mean, that house would uh, appraised in 2006 for $725,000. I had bought it for two sixty. And uh, I probably put $150,000 into it, but I didn't even get to realize the profit because um, 2008 came along and took it from me. So, wow. no. Crazy. Not That's always the way you start, more of the way you finish. Yeah. What city was it in? Salt Lake City. Down, like downtown Salt Lake? It or? was actually Cottonwood Heights, but back Cottonwood then it Heights. wasn't even Cottonwood Heights. Okay. Got yeah. it. Got it. I think I used to play tuba in a symphony in Cottonwood Heights. I would drive all the way down from Kaysville to, to practice once a month with, with this symphony. You, you um, would know exactly where this is, just above Wasatch Boulevard, mm-hmm. um, uh, like off of Bengal Boulevard. Yep. So you probably know right where it is. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome stuff. Uh, so 62 square foot home, 62,000 square foot home. You bought in uh, around 2000 and around... 2008, 9, 10. It was more uh, like 11, 12, okay. 11 probably. Yeah. Okay. Cause I, so I got started as well. Uh, I got started in 2007 managing properties, 2005, just owning land, but in 2008 owning multifamily. And uh, I'll, I'll, I'll say the same thing happened to me, Jeff. I lost it in 2011. I bought, I bought a multifamily in 08 and then and it was just going slowly like this. And I kept thinking, it's going to turn around. It's going to turn around. And I ended up giving that back to the lender in 2011. So I feel for you. It sounds like you had a bigger portfolio than I did, though. 
How many yeah. properties did you lose? You- so I, I was probably just at that time, I was probably doing eight or so high-end renovations, so 500000 to a million-dollar homes. Not the place you want to be when the market crashes. I had just bought a 58-unit subdivision that I was actually selling off the lots. So if the market would have held out another six months, I would have made millions of dollars. I would have been out of everything. Everything would have been fine. The, the timing of it, I had a builder buying these lots four at a time. Uh, with hard money, you know, four and a half million dollars of hard money. Um, and then all of a sudden lenders saying, nope, no more. We're not, we're not giving him any more loans. And, yeah. Uh, so it was a bad timing on my part. And back then, to be honest, I just never looked at what was going on in the market. You know, I was just doing my thing and didn't think really anything would be, anything could change drastically like that. We're going to get into a lot of details on some different types of creative financing strategies since you're the expert at creative financing. So I'm going to ask you some details on lease options subject to, it sounds like that first one you mentioned was a subject to us with a $1,700 payment. We're going to get into all of that, but you just mentioned something that back then, just like I wasn't worried about anything coming down and crashing. You weren't, you weren't looking for that. You weren't spotting it. You weren't concerned about it. And, you know, we, we got our tails between our legs for a little while after 2011. So what I want to find out is based on your experience, what in your opinion is going to be happening with the economy? We're recording this May 6th of 2020. And so what do you think's going on? Coronavirus is kind of starting to lift up the ban. Um, I've seen different things going on with stocks. Uh, took a giant, giant, giant dip, uh, just like they did in 2008, if you, uh, you know, for those who are listening who remember. But Jeff, what is your opinion on what's, what might happen here? Well, I think that uh, a lot of it has to do with when when does the economy get fully back up and running? Uh, I know that a lot of states are starting to allow people to go back to work, but you know it'll probably take two to three more weeks to see if it's actually going to be successful doing that, right? Um, we, we might end up having a quarantine all over again in a month if if things just don't stay at least stable. So it's hard to kind of predict because another month or or two of the economy being shut down could be catastrophic to to the real estate market and the economy in general. If everything was to continue, I think what you're going to see is you're going to see a dip in commercial to begin with. Um, There's just too many small businesses that are just not going to be able to get back up and running. You're going to see the unemployment rate that I believe is at like around 30 million right now that um, it's certainly going to be better than that, but it's not going to be good. Not all of those people are going to go back and have a job. You're going to see these forbearances, uh, maybe not right now, but you're going to see a big uptick in foreclosures, um, but it still might be nine months away. It might be 2021 before you actually start um, seeing how many there are actually going to be. But lenders tightening up their lending standards are going to make it difficult for people to 
um, buy homes. And when I say buy more of the, the more affordable homes, right? And there's no jumbo loans right now. So it's making it difficult to, to sell some of the higher priced homes. I personally think that there's going to be, you know, there's going to be a change in the market. I, I, I think it's going to be based more on particular markets. Here in Utah, we have a really, we, we've been having a very steady growth, very low unemployment. Um, you know, how does it affect Utah as maybe compared to California or Arizona? You know, some of those bigger markets, Utah always lags behind. But I, I think that you're going to see, you're going to see big changes but they may not be all at once like in 2008. I think they'll be kind of on a steady decline. And I think that there's going to be opportunities for um, real estate investors. Actually, I, I would bank on that there's opportunities for real estate investors. And I've already seen them just in the last three, four weeks that more people are open to terms, uh, more people are motivated to sell. And um, the, the commercial realm, I think, is something that I've really seen some, you know, interesting opportunities present themselves. So I'm, I don't have a crystal ball. Um, and I think the best real estate investors, the most successful real estate investors learn how to adapt to whatever market conditions are going on. And I think that's what creative financing gives you that opportunity to do to, it would be great to stockpile cash right now where you can go buy properties, but if you're not able to do that, then start learning the creative financing techniques that allow you to start buying some of these opportunities. I think they'll become much more prevalent in the very near future. With that in mind, how do you help somebody get out of a, a sticky situation? So I guess you're saying that the the opportunities are going to come. There's uh, there's a lot of people unemployment. There is they're probably not going to go back. Not all of them are probably going to go back right away. So um, we're an investor. Whether we've done a lot of these or a little bit of these, what's the best way for us to really seek out those opportunities where we can help somebody out of a situation? So I think you'll find them everywhere. I mean, you don't have to go look in particular areas, but I think what you'll start to see, and maybe not right away, but you haven't found leads through banks. Like, you know, there aren't a lot of bank REOs available, haven't been for the last several years. I think we may see more bank REOs available in the next 12 months. Those are some of the things that, you know, back in 2000, between 2008, 2011, 12, that were much more relevant than they have been the last seven, eight years. And I think you'll start to see that again. Got it. Got it. Um, one thing that, so I've negotiated just a lot of different kinds of creative financing things. And one of the things that I've done is uh, lease options on the buy side and the sell side, both. Yep. And um, what was interesting is during our pre-interview, I was asking you to talk about lease options and you said, oh, I, I don't really do lease options on the buy side. And, but I do sometimes utilize a lease option when I actually own the property. So I thought that your answer was really uh, interesting. And I thought that a lot of people could learn from, from your thoughts on that. So if you wouldn't mind kind of sharing why lease options 
why only doing it if you own the property? So let me preface this by saying that I think lease options are a great strategy and I like using them and I think they're underutilized as a wholesale strategy where you basically go and find a property that uh, the seller is willing to lease with the option to buy to you. You go find that tenant buyer, you collect uh, that option deposit. I, I actually really like that strategy. The reason I don't utilize it is that in the markets that I work in, I can get considerably more down payment on owner financing as opposed to a lease option as an option deposit. That way I'm able to offer the seller some money and my fee is going to be larger. And uh, so I've done, I've done some wholesaling of lease options. I liked it, it worked just fine but I can do the same strategy with ownership. And I think as sellers or, or as the buyers that they would prefer to own as rather than rent. The conversation that we had was about positioning yourself in the middle and um, which would in lease option terminology would be a sandwich lease option where you're working something out with the seller. You then find a tenant buyer that's going to, pay more in rent, pay more for the purchase price of the property, allows you to collect some money up front, allows you to collect that passive income each month. And then uh, if they exercise their option, allows you a third payday at the end. Love that. Um, I just don't love it as far as lease options go because it's harder to protect your position in a lease option. You're nowhere on title. Um, you, you absolutely are are recording something against the property, whether it's a notice of interest or a memorandum or some kind of thing. But ultimately, you've still got to somehow protect your position so that you get paid at the end. And I, I've just never found that great scenario, that situation where I feel comfortable doing it. I can do exactly the same thing with owner financing where I am positioned, I never have to go back to the seller, get their cooperation, tell them what I made on their house over the last few years, and now get myself paid at the end. We literally just closed one of those deals on Monday, where we'd been in it less than a year and a half, but we were in the middle. We collected a, a sizable down payment up front. We've been making $540 a month cash flow. And buyer decided interest rates are really good and refinanced the property and paid us off. We just made another $22,000. So um, love the strategy. Just have never figured out how to really protect yourself the way I'd feel comfortable as a lease option. Good stuff. We've, we've gotten into a lot of details. We'll definitely have you back on the show, but I want to get into the final five. So let's take a quick break for our sponsors and we'll be right back with the final five. This episode of the Creative Real Estate Podcast is brought to you by both you and brought to you by the show itself. And we just wanted to say thank you, Jason. I really appreciate having you as a listener. And we have an ask. We've got a quick ask. If you have uh, been listening to the show for a little while, you love the show and you haven't taken the time to leave a rating and a review, I just wanted to ask to see if you wouldn't mind 
uh, going into iTunes and doing a written review as well as a rating. Um, so that's our only ask. Let's get back to the show. And we're back with the Jeff Rappaport, uh, who's going to share with us now his most creative deal that he's ever done. That, that's a tough question. Um, but I will tell you that uh, we bought some land a couple of years ago. We bought it with owner financing. And um, the goal was is that we needed to buy it with financing because we needed to hold it for a little while. The our goal was to entitle it, so basically break subdivide it into lots. And here we are two plus years later. We're right at the finish line, but not quite there yet. We we sold another property that we had terms on for three years and we sold it in six months. That seller did not want to get paid off early. So what we worked out was substitution of collateral, which means that we owed him $394,000 on this note. He was allowing us to use that $394,000 at a 2.5% interest rate at a payment of $2,000 a month, which $1,200 or so was going toward principal. So every time we're making him a payment, we're getting some of that principal pay down. Ultimately, when we pay him off, we'll get paid again. And what now we can use that money and take it and um, use it on other real estate. Well, our seller on the land started getting antsy. He had a note and we were paying him principal only payments. So we borrowed the money from our substitution of collateral deal moved it, some of it to that land, discounted the land owner for uh, early payoff. And so we had two creative financing deals kind of intertwined. That land deal, hopefully, you know, as soon as the, the cities get back to work, will be approved and we'll sell that off. But yeah, it was a good thing that we had the substitution of collateral and, um, and we got a significant discount for paying them off early. So it all worked out just fine. That's, that's really cool. Thank you for going into that. Yep. Jeff, what is a book that you recommend to the listener if they want to get into creative financing, if they want to do what you're doing, what's a, what's a good book for them to read? Yeah, I, I, I can't really give a book that would be great on creative financing because I've never read one that uh, has really helped me with that. I could certainly give people that have been influential in my education uh, and it would start with Ron Legrand. He's been around for thirty plus years. And is that uh, the nothing down? No, that that no, would be no. um, Carlton Sheets. Carl, that's that's right. Where that's I right. started. Okay. Uh, but Ron Legrand is still teaching, and uh, that, that's really what gave me the first um, uh, my foundation. And that, that's what I'd recommend if you were talking about lease options. I'd recommend Joe McCall, or I'd rep, um, recommend. Uh, John Jackson out of Texas. Um, so my, my education is I've spent a lot of money on my education and uh, probably at least $400,000. And uh, like I had mentioned, I continue to do so. So I don't read a lot of books, but I do a lot of studying. And But there was a book that I did listen to um, fairly recently that I, I recommend it's called Extreme Ownership, and uh, 
it's really about being accountable, right? Um, and I just don't, I've been around real estate for 20 years and uh, you know, when things don't go exactly the way that you want, which is rarely, uh, you know, uh, people need to start looking at themselves rather than, you know, I could blame all kinds of uh, factors for what happened to me in 2008. And, you know, in reality, it should have been about me and what I did and what I could have done differently. And I think when you start becoming accountable, that uh, it allows you to grow, right? Um, and yeah. that's what I think this is about, adapting and continuing to grow. And if you don't, if you're not growing, I think you're dying. Jeff, speaking about growing, where will you be in five years from today? So I am 52 years old and uh, keep in mind that when I got back into real estate was about six years ago. So I'm on the, the quick path as far as I'm concerned. And um, I, I want to be the, I want to get to the point where in the next five years that I have a team that's important to me. I want them all to be successful. I do do some teaching, super important to me. I like to make an impact on people's lives, uh, whether it be financial or in some other way. Those are, will never go away. Those are part of my big whys. Um, I have a significant other. I have an 18-year-old daughter. She has a 14-year-old daughter. Um, I want to get to the point where I don't think I want to be retired because um, I like what I do. And I think that uh, uh, I can continue to build this and get to where it is that I want to be. But I want to have more time to spend doing the thing. I want to be where you are right now by the beach. So, um, <laughs> so th those are the things that I want. That's where I see myself in five years. Awesome. Awesome. And I'm up in Conifer, Colorado, and it is, it, I woke up, it was 40 degrees tonight to this morning. However, I've got a virtual background for those of you who can't see what he's talking about. Yeah, you got I've got a palm up. tree and the waves coming in. So, <laughs> um, Jeff, what is the best way for you to add value to other people? I think you so, mentioned but, a few ways, but yeah, yeah we, we do a number of things. Um, yeah, but we do a number of meetups right now. Um, have been for the last three years. We do a wholesaling meetup. We do a, a networking. A, it's a networking event every month. So if you're local to Utah or you're just curious. Um, you can email me right now because we're doing them virtually. So you can be a part of them now. I'm happy to do that um, or call on this hotline number. I have a podcast. The podcast is a little different. It's more about um, a fellow investors, his path on learning how to use creative financing. So it's, it's more of instructional rather than, you know, let's, let's talk about motivation and um, mindset. It's more about the how to, I have an apprentice program that I work with people all over the country. I teach them wholesaling. I also teach them some creative financing techniques. And it's kind of an earn while you learn type program. And uh, as far as the content that we give, I think it's probably the cheapest thing that you could ever find out there. And I'm pretty open. I, you know, I'm part of a couple of mastermind groups and um, I want to share. I, I like giving back. I like helping people. I just don't always have the time to spend, you know, 
with every random person saying, hey, is this a deal or not? Um, but if you're part of something and you're, you're adding value to something that I do, I will absolutely give back value. Awesome. And for the listener, just a couple quick things. That phone number to the hotline is 877-409-8090. It's in the show notes, so you can scroll down and grab that right now. Also, uh, Rebecca Jensen is on the Facebook Live, and she threw out the email, jeff at weofferoptions.com. That's how you can reach out to him. So, Rusty, uh, you've got a bunch of fans that are, that are on, the face, on the Facebook Live right now. Jeff, I really appreciate your time. Um, going into these details, helping us to be able to get to the next level, offering those different solutions. I love your podcast because it does dive into the nitty gritty of the deal and how to think about structuring the deal and what goes into thinking about it. And so I think that if somebody's listening and they like the Creative Real Estate Podcast, to go and check out the Creative Financing Podcast. And guys, it would, you would, it would uh, mean a lot to me if you would give him uh, the rating and uh, a review that he deserves on his podcast. And while you're at it, give us a rating and review uh, on iTunes for the Creative Real Estate Podcast as well. I always love seeing those. Jeff, I want to get into so much detail. Brandon Anderson says, hi, Jeff, by the way. Do you know Brandon? I do. Okay. Brandon's on. Rusty's on. So you've got a you've got a fan a fan base. I love it. Um, so today we talked a little bit about different ways to do creative real estate, creative financing. We talked about how Jeff is working in Utah, Tennessee, and Idaho, and how he really likes those markets, and what he likes about those markets, and how he does uh, more more uh, owner finance versus some of the lease options. However, he's done a lot of the lease options, and he even let you know that if you want to get a hold of him. His phone number's in the show notes. His email's in the show notes right now. Again, that's uh, jeff at weofferoptions.com. Uh, so that's how you can get a hold of him. Jeff, I, I really appreciate your time. I hope to have you on the show again and go into more of your creative deals, the one that you talked about today, uh, where you had two different deals going on at one time one of them with a super low interest rate, then you paid off the other one, got a discount for paying it off uh, early, and you still just had a low payment, which of that, I think it was 1,200 of it was still going to principal. Awesome stuff. I'm gonna let you go, but until next time, my friend, think outside the box. Thank you so much for listening to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. And if you got value from this episode of the podcast, please take the time to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Give us a written rating and a review. We'd really, really appreciate it. I'm going to let you go, but until next time, think outside the box.